I should probably have said something in the episode on five aspects of democracy about what I'm now going to say. But at the time, I thought, well, this will take us off on something of a tangent. And that is, let's suppose that all five of these criteria are met, but a sixth criterion isn't, namely that the people voting see their voting not just in individual terms, but in collective terms. And what makes this so difficult is all that I've been saying in this episode, that it isn't a simple either-or, because we know that there are such things as self-organisational societies that arise from the actions of individuals operating according to local and largely independent rules, or acting independently, the rules are all the same, we can't really be sure that one can't, as you might say, emerge or evolve a viable democracy as a result of people essentially doing their own thing. And that's one of the things that makes it so difficult. Long ago, I think I mentioned in a very early episode my very strong affection for the American science fiction writer Isaac Asimov's foundation books, particularly the original trilogy, although it eventually became a bit like Star Wars, I think about six volumes before he died. And the background to that is that Asimov became interested in his relatively early life in the notions of historical determinism that shape Marxism. The idea, in other words, that there is a kind of statistically... a statistically describable pattern of behaviour on the basis of massive amounts of individual behaviour that give rise to historical trends, the like of which, in a sense, first Hegel and then more more famously Marx, laid hold on and started to use as a way of trying to explain the trajectory of the world. And in all this, Isaac Asimov got so interested that he invented the psycho-historian Harry Seldon, who somehow in the book manages to write down the equations that govern psychohistory, which is a form of historical determinism. Now what's, I think, particularly interesting about this is that Asimov introduces what you might call a wild card into the whole business. And I think it's a wild card that merits really rather a lot of attention, particularly if we consider the history, for example, of the Soviet Union with Lenin, Stalin, then Khrushchev and all the others up to Gorbachev. And if you consider as well someone like Donald Trump in the United States or even in a different way, Boris Johnson in the UK, that these patterns of collective behaviour that arise from individuals following local rules 
that give rise to the behaviour of swarms and hives and murmurations of starlings, you'll be bored to hear me saying again, and even potentially human populations, at least if historical determinism has anything going for it, and Asimov at least flirted with the idea that it did, that if you take all these things, they are all vulnerable to the emergence of some person who either has particular powers, as is the case with Asimov's mule, or someone who has a particular take on ways to exploit the collective. The latter would, would, would apply to most of the leaders of the Soviet Union, certainly to Donald Trump, uh, and arguably to some of the leaders of, of, the, of the People's Republic of China, particularly Mao and latterly Xi Jinping, that the lack of centralization, the fact that the society is self-organized but not with a designer, self-organized according to an inevitable consequence of each of its individual members behaving according to certain rules. That means that if you introduce a single factor into that that operates according to different rules, you are in trouble. And this is, I think, really important, really rather deep, because it goes to the heart of many of the problems that we have described elsewhere about that, that arise from a properly conceived anarchism. It would be fine for you and me to live in a world without police forces and armies and therefore without leaders if we each got along with our own locally law-abiding lives and didn't trouble our neighbours and didn't steal their stuff and weren't subject to other people coming and stealing ours whether at a local, village, town, city, national or international uh, scale. But the trouble is that you can't rely on that. And the problem with psychohistory, I think, as Asimov saw it, although whether and to what extent he saw it in quite this way, I think is debatable and not important here, is that if somebody comes along who is not anticipated in those rules and who operates according to different rules, as Trump certainly did, then you may find that there is a susceptibility in the general population to a reconfiguration. Let me put this in terms of my favourite example. If you think about the movement of a flock of starlings, each of them using alignment, uh, closeness and separation as the three parameters that govern the movement of the flock. If you take that seriously, then if something comes along that operates according to different rules, we don't know until it happens whether there might be a perturbation to those rules that will give rise to aberrant behaviour of a kind that will destroy the self-organisation as it was and either produce chaos or produce a completely different kind of self-organisation that is unrecognisable. And what I think Asimov saw and what I think we, we've seen in reality 
in Trump and in the January the 6th attack on the Capitol building and to some extent in Johnson and in to some extent in Brexit is that there are circumstances in which very large movements in popular opinion, the background assumptions of a community can be changed just by the emergence of a rogue individual. As Asimov's mule or some political leader like Hitler, Stalin, Lenin, you name it, who not necessarily with intent, not necessarily, as you might say, by having grasped the implications of what he's doing, just triggers an unforeseen reconfiguration of the whole swarming mass that can produce something unprecedented and that we had no capacity to anticipate. And that's both very scary at one level, but also very instructive at another, because it shows how significant individuals, not necessarily even political leaders, but just significant individuals, I suppose religious leaders fall into this category to some extent, can precipitate fundamental shifts, like dropping a crystal into a supersaturated solution or triggering some mass movement as a result of a tiny influence, the famous, infamous butterfly effect or whatever. And so we can see some vulnerabilities of self-organization to influences that we cannot either anticipate or model or sometimes even control. And that can have very serious consequences indeed.